I'm like, I'm like, I'm like the weatherman. I'll read exactly what's on the prompter, man. Welcome everybody to the RNR Catcast, a band-based podcast focusing on Montana State athletics. We're two dudes named Ryan from the state of Washington talking about our dear Montana State. We hope you enjoy. Welcome back, Bobcat fans. Jeff Choate says we're amidst rarefied air. Well, Thorny, it is sweet and intoxicating. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes, that does sound all like good things that I would enjoy. <laughs> you sure not, not talking about uh, alcohol? Sounds like alcohol. No. No, man. It's the air. It's the rarefied air. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's a very good point. And, uh, it's an exciting time to be a bobcat. Oh, it tops on my list right now, man. I, I mean, we're going to talk all about it tonight. It's, yep. it is, it is. It's going to be kind of like the overall arcing theme of this show. It's just like kind of just enjoying the moment. Rarefied yeah. air. He's right. <laughs> if you're enjoying this moment, you're going to enjoy this podcast. <laughs> all right, man. Well, uh, let's get into our uh, show outline uh, after this schmoozy intro <laughs> we're gonna go into what we're drinking tonight we'll recap some news the presser and then we'll go into a little game recap we do have a special segment for our listeners tonight we extended the olive branch across the divide to the grizz fan pod we invited the one the only the vulnerable brent Wahlberg on to discuss his trip to ogden and his recent tweet about the Montana State Bobcats. Uh, after that, we're going to come out. We're going to just enjoy the moment for a little bit. We're going to talk about what it, this means at this particular moment in time for Montana State football. We'll preview the Montana State game. We'll go over our bull predictions. We'll list some new ones. We'll go over our buy or sell. We have a special segment on Christmas songs. And then, of course, we'll end with some golden koozies. Boy, that is a packed Packed episode right there. Holy cow. Yep. This one could go long, but, uh, you know, maybe if we say that, it'll actually go short. Because we always say we'll try and keep it short and <laughs> it goes long. So let's try and reverse psychology it. Woo. Well, let's go for it, man. What's on tap tonight? All right. So kind of sticking with two themes here. Number one, me picking drinks based on some sort of sentiment or something like that. I'm glad that last week, not drinking a beer, but I still picked the blue machine. Naked smoothie still worked. Whew. I was worried about that not being enough, but it did. So that was good news. But going with the overall theme, number two of just enjoying the moment. I thought long and hard at the store. And you know what? I'm like, let's just make this simple. I grabbed a Miller High Life because really Bobcat fans, we are living the high life right now. It's a good time to be a Bobcat. Cheers to you guys. Nice, man. I always like the High Life. That's a, that's a classic beer right there. Nothing wrong with the High Life. That's a good choice, man. I really like I like the thought that you just put into what you're drinking every week. <laughs> well, I never used to, but it's been working, so it's kind of that. Somebody There was a, a thread going on the Bobcat message board about people haven't changed something since the North Dakota game or whatever, and you know that's my thing. I can't change it now. Yeah, good point. I'm glad you haven't. 
there's many things that you and I ascribe to about we haven't changed since the North Dakota game either. So, uh, but we won't go in that right now. Uh, tonight, Thorny, I'm drinking Shocker, another hazy IPA called Hazelicious from Rubens Brewing in Seattle. I picked it. You made me think a little more about my selection. I picked it because it has blue and gold on the can. And you know I like the hazy IPAs. I just cracked it just right before we started recording. Man, it is really good. It's probably one of the best ones I've had in a while. So I know my wife will enjoy this one. We'll probably have to get it again. It's good stuff. Nice. That sounds, I don't know, sounds like a hazy IPA. But I like your blue and gold part of it. That's my favorite part. Yeah, and I got my uh, golden koozie to slip it into. I've never had anything from Rubens Brewing before, so this is a, it's a first. Nice. Where is it located again? It says Seattle. Oh, no idea. There's tons of stuff over here. Plus, I don't really, I'm like only an hour and a half north of Seattle, but Seattle might as well be in another state. <laughs> it is kind of its own thing, isn't it? It's just so big. It's so big. And it's just such a pain to get to. I like, never really go there. <laughs> oh, it's the pain to get through. Holy smokes. Yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> All right, man. Let's move on. Uh, let's go into some news. Hero Sports came out with their all-conference team. A couple of Bobcats landed on that. We have Troy Anderson had the first team as an athlete. We had Wilson Brott as a second-team offensive line. Bryce Sturk. <laughs> did I say the wrong Brott? Yes. I did. <laughs> he went back in time, took the time machine back to the Wilson Brott days. Sorry, Mitch. Tip of a cap to you, buddy. Uh <laughs> Uh, we had Bryce Sturck, second team defensive line, and Braden Conkle, second team safety. What do you think about those? I mean, that sounds about right. Uh, you, you, you'd think that a team that pretty much had arguably the best defense in the conference would have more guys at an All-American level, but really it just kind of goes to show how much the Bobcats really are truly a team effort with no huge one individual star anywhere. I agree with that. I also agree that we are the best team or the best defense in the conference as well. Yeah, still, I don't know. But you're still between us and Weber. But yeah, we're definitely there in the discussion. All right. Thorning, recap the quarterfinal games for us, all right? Real quick here. I'm sure everyone by no, by now knows this stuff, but Northern Iowa went to James Madison and laid a goose egg 0-17 to in a game that was Arguably closer than the score. I think James Madison scored pretty late to put that one away, but I think Northern Iowa was held to exactly zero rushing yards. That's a theme you'll hear. Defense rushing yards. Not much rushing yards anywhere in the quarterfinals here. Uh, the Grizz uh, went to Weber State and lost 10-17, to letting Weber State win a game with only 112 yards of total offense or something like that. Dalton Sneed throwing five interceptions as the Grizz go down 10-17 to 17 in a rainy, slushy, wet, nasty-looking Ogden game. And then, of course, the game that mattered the most to the Bobcats, Illinois State couldn't quite get it done at North Dakota State in a game that was really close as well, 9-3. to three. I think there was a touchdown taken off the board that apparently, I didn't watch the game, but apparently it was a controversial call that could have potentially won the game for the Redbirds. But because of that, the Bobcats go on the road to Fargo to take on the bison. I emphasize the Z there. That doesn't exist. Yeah, I've never been a big fan of that, but nope. okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, those are those are the games that happened last week, and it was like 
in general, my just gut feeling watching most of those games or parts of most of those games, they're just kind of weird. I mean, they're low scoring defensive struggles. Uh, I like that, but uh, it was just not, you know, I mean, a couple, like two games, zero rushing yards for a team. I mean, when do you ever see that, let alone twice? So it's just really unusual. Now, the Friday night losers of the three games combined for 17 yards rushing. <laughs> that, uh, that Grizz. That's that unheard of. Was, yeah, it was, it, it was so hard to watch. I mean, Weber State's offense is just so putrid. They're just so bad, but their defense is elite. <laughs> and, oh, it's just a weird game. Anyways, I don't really understand why Weaver's offense is so bad. It seems like they have good athletes. I just, they don't execute or the play calling. I don't know. They're just, they're not good. Yeah. All right, man. Well, let's move on. Uh, I'm sure we're going to get into some of those games just in our conversation. So uh, let's just keep this train going. Did you see the press conference? You know, I listened to the whole thing today. Uh, I know are going to ask me if anything stuck out, but really, I was actually really busy at work today. I didn't get to pay super close attention to it. Kind of just got the overall demeanor of it, and it's like the, you know, really, I think Choate sounds pretty confident, but I don't think he sounded quite as jovial or confident as he has been. But I definitely got the sense that he feels like, you know, the Bobcats can win this game. Yeah, he seemed to be in a kind of a calm, collected mood, a mood that spoke to me like a man before a fight not like too amped but just like very cerebral he knows what north dakota state's about he called it uh, you know we've seen the elephant is what he said he's just preparing i think he's just in a good mindset yeah, like the man who knows the task is in front of him and he's just clearing his mind getting getting ready oh yeah i mean he had qu- quite a few quotable lines in his and his pressure, one of them that stood out to me was uh, he said revenge is the worst motivator in sports. I, was, I wanted your thoughts on that. That was an interesting comment. Um, as a fan, you always talk about like the revenge tour, revenge angle, but it's interesting to hear him talk about how that be- it was a terrible motivator. I thought that was part of the reason I, on the Big Sky Big Takes, is, you know, as you know, we don't do any predictions on here, but I did do some predictions on there. Uh, I did predict that Weber would win that game. And that's part of the reason I thought that they would. It's just because of the revenge angle and the fact that they play better at home and all the other things. But it's interesting to hear him uh, say that it's a terrible motivator. What are your thoughts on that? Well, then he backs it up with, um, this is all about us. This can't be about North Dakota State. And when he said that, it made sense in my mind. I like the revenge factor. I mean, it's it's natural to want to uh, revisit your mistakes and then overcome them so i i don't mind the the thought of revenge and you can't take that thought out of the players minds and you probably can't take it out out of choate's mind as well so there might be a little coach speak there yep i suppose that could be just a little bit of coach speak but yeah very interesting comments yeah all right man well that's about all the thoughts i had on the presser if you never get a chance to see the presser uh you can always go on to the bobcat outsider shane driscoll's YouTube channel, and he always has it up by the mid-afternoon. You can see the uh, the pressers from the post-game as well. He does a great job of getting sound both from the the players as well as the people who ask them. He does a good job. That's where I listen to every single one. Great job, Shane. Nice job, buddy. Hey, one real quick thing here. I wasn't sure if I was going to mention this or not, but I kind of I kind of want to. I think it's kind of 
Bobcat fans will want to know about it. Uh, I did see some news today that Chris Murray, former Bobcat quarterback, signed at an NAIA school in Iowa, I believe. I'm not sure that I can't remember the name of it, but just, uh, you know, always happy to see a kid get a chance and hopefully he continues his academic career and gets a, gets a degree. Good luck to Chris Murray. Can you imagine him running roughshod? Good luck some... to NAIA defenses. <laughs> My goodness. Like if <laughs> I made a joke on the board, he'll rush for 3000 yards, but I'm not entirely sure I'm joking. <laughs> Where? Ooh, that's a fun thought right there. <laughs> like just like Chris Murray at like a, like Rocky or something. Oh man. Anyway, it, that's enough yeah. about uh <laughs> subject. <laughs> Next level right there. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. All right. Well, let's want to move into the game recap for the uh what we're here to talk about. Yep. Give us that game recap against the governors of Austin P. The governors of Austin P came up from Clarksville, Tennessee. That's a terrible southern accent. <laughs> I wasn't even trying to do it, but it kind of just half came out. It is yeah. what it is. It's it's forever recorded now. It's um, in you. <laughs> uh, the Bobcats win the game twenty four to ten, in a probably the most lopsided twenty four to ten game I can think of in recent history. Uh, the Bobcats. None of the stats jump out on the page offensively for the Bobcats. Three hundred eighty six total yards, two hundred seventy nine rushing. Uh, 16 first downs, nine for 18 on third down, which is incredible for the Bobcats, 50% clip. I mean, we only averaged 4.9 yards a pass. We ended up with 5.7 yards a carry, but that's a little skewed on like several huge plays. I thought actually Austin P did a pretty good job of stifling the run game with their little bowling ball defensive lineman that they had. Uh, nine penalties for both teams. Definitely one of the stories of the game is both teams were put into lots of second and fifth 25s or third and 20s. It was just a sloppy game. I don't know if it's poorly officiated. We'll kind of talk about that a little bit. The three turnovers for the governors, uh, another big problem for them. One fumble by Travis Johnson for the Bobcats. Uh, now let's get into the stats that are really good here. One for 14 on third down for Austin P. The Cats kind of continue their domination on third down, but again, that was part of Maybe the refs helping out a little bit, getting them into third and long. 197 total yards for the governors, all of it through the air as they were attributed with like a net rushing of zero yards on 19 attempts. You know, that's a lot of sacks in there, but holy cow, that is a bad stat. <laughs> uh, 36 and almost 37 minutes time possession for the Bobcats, just to 23 for Austin P. Really from just kind of the first series where the Bobcats came out, on the and scored on their first series third and one Isaiah Fonte takes to the house the very first play where Austin P on their next position throws a a floater that Braden Conkle should have intercepted and we stuff them <laughs> and force them to punt it they look nervous they do it through a screen pass into the ground that Callahan or Riley would have blown up anyway you could just tell right away from then that the Bobcats could have the gate their way with the game if they wanted unfortunately it just never quite got there in the first half as it should have with sloppy play and penalties. But overall, a dominating performance by the Bobcats. The game was never really in question. What are your thoughts on the game? Ooh, there's a lot there. Well, one yep, I went on thought. a little bit there. Yeah, one fleeting thought before I lose it on my mind was Conkle's miss on that very first one. I think he must have uh, got some advice from Damian Washington on that one. Hey, yo. Um, 
Anyways, hey, you, that joke can no longer resonates <laughs> as his last outing was two picks. I know. Okay. I, I just, <laughs> Maybe I, he should have taken advice from Damian Washington. There you hey, go, buddy. Hit him right in the bread basket. He couldn't have even hauled it in. He got his uh, he got his pick later on though, but he should have had two of them. Nice job, Braden. Um, I want to go back to the rushing. Uh, Austin P had zero rushing yards. Um, has that ever happened at Montana State? Have we ever held a team to zero rushing yards ever, or maybe even negative rushing yards? I'm not exactly sure. Uh, that struck me as just completely like I was dumbfounded when I saw it. So I went back. I was like. Are they just really poor rushing team? So I went back to look at the Sac State game the week before. They rushed for 293 yards against Sac State. <laughs> I know, right? Like, I think the Craig had 100-some yards last week against Sac State alone. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, in my general thoughts, there's a lot to unpack on this game. You know, one thing, I kept feeling very frustrated in the game. We were... And I mean, that game was never really in question, but it felt like we should have had, you know, looking at a score 24, 10, we should have had maybe 14 more points easily in that game. It was just, it was so sloppy with penalties, which is very frustrating. No, it was definitely one of the more frustrating 24 to 10s. You know what it reminded me of last year on the podcast? We late in the season, we beat Northern Colorado. Do you remember that? Yeah. And we both just felt like, after the game like it was a game that was never in question we won it i feel better a little bit better at this because you know we still showed flashes of the team we can be but i think a lot of it was just the refs were getting a little too flag happy in this game but at least it was consistent every which way but we kind of kind of reverted to some things that we did kind of earlier in the season where i didn't like uh kind of got away from some of our stuff and you know it just wasn't as smooth as it has been the last few weeks but the good news is a Bobcat offense in November, December, not operating at 100% is still 20 times better than it was in October when it wasn't operating very well at all. So there, there is a silver lining there that we can win a tough game and maybe kind of like the North Dakota game, it'll make us kind of focus after the kind of sloppy play. We'll kind of take a good hard look at it again in the mirror and come out with it uh, for the better. Oh, for sure, man. So I was thinking when you were saying that I have, oh, I was formulating two gripes in my mind and one positive. You ready for them? A gripe positive sandwich. Go for it. <laughs> uh, my first gripe was with Travis Johnson. Uh, failed to make some big plays in that game that could have really turned the tide early on. He missed that catch, which is debatable. He missed a couple catches, and then he had a, a holding penalty, apparently, that negated one of our drives he just didn't have his best game that's my first gripe my second gripe is tristan bailey from the right hash about 40 to 45 yards out i want to say for about four kicks now he's missed that same kick in the same spot just hooking it left and i know that's probably on his mind they panned to him over on the sidelines he looked pretty dejected no one was sitting by him felt really bad for him the positive to shore sure all those negatives up would be our third quarter. As soon as Kevin Cassis caught that ball in the third quarter on that slant, uh, it was game. I mean, we just we started rolling. We had a great third quarter, and then they scored right at the very like first couple seconds of the fourth quarter. But that third quarter was money for us. We had 14 points in that third quarter. It was weird. Our scoring went um, 
10 points in the first quarter, nothing in the second, 14 in the third, nothing in the fourth. So there's these ebbs and flows in that game. But largely the ebbs came from the penalties that we kept accruing. So it was just really frustrating. So uh, I don't want to take away that positive. But yeah, third quarter, we were rolling. I mean, it's hard to how to how to talk about this right now. You want to be like super positive, but at the same time, like you said, there's plenty of things to you can hone in on that we need to improve on. But you know, the fact is, kind of like we've been talking about, like uh, just enjoying the moment. Twenty four to ten domination victory in the quarterfinal. The problem is you realize who your opponent is, so you start like looking at these things, like you can't do this next week, kind of thing. But one positive that was really cool, uh, why it's in my head. How cool was it to see Isaiah and Fonzie throw a touchdown pass to Jason Scrampos? <laughs> that was fun. That was pretty yeah. fun. Uh, I I think that's one thing I did catch either in the post game or the press conference where Jeff Choate was talking about he was worried that Fonzie wasn't tall enough to throw the pass, <laughs> <laughs> to throw it over the, the line of scrimmage. Yeah, he did a nice job. He just had a little hop there and just floated it right over. It was perfect touch, and Jason Scrampos, no doubt, man, he just pulled it in. It was a cool moment. I also want to talk a little bit about Austin P's defense. I actually thought they were a pretty good defense. They're extremely physical and aggressive and fast. Uh, what did you just think of the Austin P defense? Very surprised by them. Yeah, you, you said it just great. Their defensive line, those those guys that were just about as wide as they were tall, really wrecked shop. <laughs> so, I mean, but we could run around them. I, You know, it goes back to what you were talking about early on, like, we were getting away from some of the things that have defined us lately. So, but yeah, overall, I was pretty impressed with them. They were crushing Afonso. I, I haven't really seen Isaiah Afonso get hit and taken down the way that he did in that game very often. It was actually kind of impressive, and I hope Afonso is okay because he took some pretty nasty shots that kind of rocked him sideways and backwards, which is not easy to do against him. Oh, no, not at all. A couple times his leg brace would fall down his leg. Did you notice that? Um, no, I didn't. Yeah, like one time he got loose on a run, and all of a sudden his leg brace fell down around his ankle, and it slowed him up. He might have had another touchdown if it wasn't for that. Yeah, he looked a little... I was for sure thought that the Austin Pugh defender was going to catch him on that first touchdown run, but he, he kept chugging along there. But yeah, he didn't didn't quite look up to full speed, but maybe it's because, like you said, his brace slid down a couple times or something. Yep. Hey, Thorny, let's talk about our defense, too. I wanted to talk, spend a little bit of time on just the awesomeness that we're seeing right now. I have underlined in my notes, Derek Marks. Holy cow, did he have himself a game that he capped off in outstanding fashion with the strip sack that Bryce Sterk almost took to the house. I, I so wanted him to stiff arm that last defender into the end zone, but it came so close. But Derek Marks was all over the field playing like a guy who knows it's his senior year, understanding the importance of the moment. He had himself an amazing game. So fun to watch. I'm so happy for that guy. That guy's just he's inspiring just as a just as a fan to watch him. It was uh did you actually watch Shane's uh the press conference? Cause uh when Choate was talking about how Derek Marks was a legend, like Marks looked like he was like just so touched by that that compliment. It was it was pretty cool to see it. And Jeff Choate got all choked up talking about his seniors. It was a pretty cool moment. Yeah, it was very special. Another guy that came off uh to me was uh Hardy. Daniel Hardy in um, spelling for Troy Anderson. I mean, without Troy in there, I mean, we could go on on that for a little bit, but Daniel Hardy, he's got himself 
I mean, that guy's got some flash. <laughs> he had that sack in the third quarter, third or fourth quarter. He came off the edge, unblocked. That guy's just got some juice. No, he definitely plays. He's probably one of the few guys on the defense who can maybe do some of the things athletically that Troy can do on the defensive side of the ball. He's got like the length and the size and the agility. And it's it's really good to see his raw talent start to take shape and really be able to take some of the pressure off of not having Troy Anderson in the defensive backfield. So we had 10 tackles for a loss last game. We had 39 tackles in total, 10 of them being for a loss. We had four sacks. It was just domination again from our defense. Man, and, and a guy like if we weren't playing a guy like, uh, oh, how do you say his name? Is it Javon or Craig? Yeah, Javon. Javon Craig, yeah. If we weren't playing a guy as mobile as him, it would have been much worse for them. He got himself out of some pretty bad situations and was at least able to throw the ball away sometimes. But, man, that guy was running for his life the entire game. Amandre Williams had a pretty good game, too. Oh, yeah. I just think in all my years watching Bobcat football, this is probably the best I've seen our defensive play. It's it's unbelievable. Like I, I have the running tally and I keep forgetting to add to it. But like how much, how many points the defense starting defense is allowed? Well, it was only seven against Albany, and now it's only ten more against a quarterfinal opponent who just hung forty two on Sac State the previous week. Well, I'm glad you said something because again, Tom Stuber, he has like this stat of the week he comes out with. <laughs> Stuber's Nuggets. <laughs> Stuber's Nuggets at eighty eight Tomcat says of the 99 points allowed by MSU Bobcats the past seven games 86 were allowed by defense of those 86 28 were allowed in garbage time that leaves 58 meaningful points allowed 8.3 points per game that is just such a high level so elite like it's I don't think I've ever seen a defense like even the I remember the benchmark back in like the Kramer PK days was like you we were like holding teams under like around 17 or 18 points a game. And that was like excellent at the time. Like it was a little different time, but that's just absurd. And I know that's not the final number because yes, there's other points and stuff, but it's it playing at an extremely high level, especially in today's modern offensive landscape. They're playing with such high confidence right now. It's, I don't feel like they can be touched. And I think that's going to be so key when we're going into North Dakota state this week. They're just playing at such a, as such a team, like we don't, ha- we only have two guys, I think, in the top 50 in the conference and tackles. And it's like Troy Anderson and it's either Braden Conkler or Josh Hill, or maybe it's all three of them when you look at all the games. But yeah, we, we don't have like the big, huge stats. Like we just don't have any star players. That's just how the team is built. And we truly are a team. And, and the, the you know, the sum is greater than the parts. And it's, it's really fun to watch. All right, man. Uh, well, uh, you know, Tucker Rovig had himself a pedestrian day, 13 of 20, 114 yards, one touchdown. That's been kind of his MO here and there. No interceptions again. Uh, the only kind of thing Tucker that stood out to my mind, the kind of a mistake he had, he short hopped, uh, Hadley there on the leak out. He would have had a for sure touchdown, but came back two plays later and hit Cassis on the fade ball. So kind of made up for it there, but missed an easy one early on. That's an important step, though. Like, you miss the easy pass. Two plays later, you make a very difficult pass, and you put it in the perfect spot. So, I mean, that's progression right there. Quarterbacks make bad throws, and you just can't let it tank you. you got to come back and make a good throw, and 
And that's what he did. And that's good to see. But yeah, he did. He did miss a wide open Hadley. And I was just like, oh, that's just like cringed when that happened. But made up for it. You know, one thing he showed me that he hadn't done before. He had a really good third down completion. We were like third and 12. And uh, Johnson comes over the middle. And the guy was right in Tucker's face. He drops his arm, side arms it across the middle, right on the dot. And we pick up a third and 12. That was one of the better plays I've seen out of him this year. No, he's done that a couple of times. Like he's got that little, little sidearm thing when a guy's right in his face. He definitely, one thing I will give him huge credit for is he's not afraid. He's a tough kid and he's got a guy bearing down in his face. He's going to stand in there and make the throw or, or, you know, do a little sidearm thing, but, or take the hit. He's not afraid to get hit and got to give him credit for that. Oh, for sure. Well, I mean, that's pretty much not what else, or not sure what else to talk about. Uh, anything else you want to say about the Austin P victory? quarterfinal game and Bozeman Montana night game Jeff Choate was applauding the night game said we need a couple more of those there's a special energy 14,000 fans a little over north of 14,000 fans showed up it just looked good on TV uh, from from my perspective it just looked a, like a raucous crowd by all means it heard it was just well done Bozeman well done Montana State and it's just a good moment for the university in general really no it sounded really good on tv too like i want anyone listening to this who didn't know that who was at the game like you guys made tons of noise you could hear it on tv and it was definitely the loudest of all the quarterfinal games and it sounded really good and a yeah, good job community for showing up I, I loved it i love the uh the do- donation drive the ticket donation they made it so easy to do all you had to do is go on there and pay no ticket west fees or any taxes or anything it was just 10 bucks and you bought someone a ticket to the game. It was pretty cool. That is really cool. Bethany Cordell's doing a good job over there. Oh, so good. Good job, Bethany. All right, Thorny, let's move on to our special segment with Brent Wahlberg. Sounds good. Uh, for those of you who don't know who Brent Wahlberg, Wahlberg is, sorry, Brent, he is a co-host of the Grizz Fan Podcast. He is the guy who does all the scouting reports. He's done some on the Bobcat Nation. He's done some on eGrizz. His, na- his handle is B Wahlberg. He puts together really cool scouting reports for all the teams. They're really well-researched and unbiased, and that's what's always kind of attracted me to reading his posts because when I see those, I'm like, it's going to be some good football analysis, no smack, no no crap talked in there. So, And I like what he does on the podcast, and I just we kind of wanted to see his take uh, based on a Twitter a tweet that he put out. So, well, yeah, you guys will hear about it here. So... Without further ado, enjoy. Now we welcome in Brent Wahlberg from the Grizz Fan Pod. Thanks for coming on with us, Brent. Yeah, happy to be here. Brent, uh, sorry about the Grizz loss there, but it sounds like you did go down to Ogden for the game. Uh, first of all, why don't you just tell us a little bit about the, about the trip you went on? Yeah, you know, trip was good. Obviously, it's always tough when you when you make a road trip to and see your team not just lose but the season end. But I'm glad I got to do it. Uh, Grizz had some pretty special seniors: uh, Dalton Sneed, Dante Olson, Jesse Sims, uh, amongst others. And so it was it, it was a easier drive. We didn't hit hit a lot of weather or snow. You know, December in Montana and Idaho, and a little bit of Utah can be a little tricky. Um. The weird thing about Ogden, this was so strange. We got there and it was 33 and snowing. 
<laughs> it warmed up four degrees as the night went on and turned into rain. I, I that's odd. I'm born. I'm born and raised in Montana. I've never seen it warm up between eight p.m. to eleven p.m. at <laughs> night in the winter, but that's what happened. So we were soaking wet, um, but it was good. It was fun. I, I mean, I'm glad I got to see the Grizz. It's it's a bummer. We we totally shot ourselves in the foot. We we blew the game. I mean, five picks, block punt for a touchdown. Uh, Weaver's offense couldn't do anything against us, and we just teed it up for them. And credit their defense, though their their defense was fantastic. It was a it was a slugfest for sure. But uh, they got the best of us, and unfortunately, uh, per Bobby Houck's head coaching record now, the winning team in a same season rematch with him as a head coach is now zero and six. So that that old adage of Hard to beat a team twice in, in Bobby's career. He's he's never seen it happen. So he's been on both sides of it, but never seen the same team win twice in one season. So carries on, unfortunately. Oh, that's a yeah, it's a bummer. Uh, who, who did you go down there with, just real quick? So uh, with the Grizz Fan Pod, uh, Mike Nugent. So Mike and I went down, and then uh, we had another. Mike and I are realtors here in Missoula, and then we had another realtor we know. His name is Lance, and he went with us too. Luke was supposed to go with us. We were supposed to have the full Grizz fam pod in attendance. But unfortunately, Luke had some work commitments that popped up Friday that prevented him from making the trip. So we're fully blaming Luke's lack of attendance on the Grizz loss. That's 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 yeah. what happened. Luke, don't get, a, Luke don't get us started on superstition over here. <laughs> oh, oh, believe me. I'm just as bad. I don't wear the same shirt. We lose. I wear a shirt. Grizz lose. I don't wear that shirt anymore that year. That shirt's done. So The only yeah. two. The only game that we both went to this entire year was Sac State homecoming. So we're not going oh. to any more games anytime soon. <laughs> hey, Brent, I was wondering, what is it? What's like Ogden like as far as like game experience? Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny. You go to things and it makes you appreciate what both Montana and Montana State have for a game day. We rolled into Ogden. It was about 4, 430. We hit our vacation rental, dumped off our stuff, put on all our layers, got to the parking lot about maybe two and a half hours before kickoff. And we were literally, I think, the fourth people there. Um, <laughs> no Weber fans, except for a few, showed up until 30 minutes before kickoff. The whole parking lot filled up with a bunch of Montana fans because we we liked to party, I guess, you know, so... <laughs> Um, it it was pretty wild. Uh, and it, the, the pregame atmosphere, obviously like, like any visiting team, you find your people, you link together and you have a good time. So we had a good time. Um, you know, Weber stadium, they, they've done a few nice things. They, they put a big addition on their North end with, a I think it's a training center and some offices and it, it the press boxes are pretty nice. I would say, it's probably in the top third of venues. It, it didn't blow me away, but it's definitely ni- nicer than a lot of other things you see. The fans were muted. The weather was really crappy. I think the the probably 2,500 to 3,000 Grizz fans that were there were probably the loudest of the group. Uh, but it was graduation. It was late. It was cold. It was rainy. So uh, maybe a little tough to gauge. But, of course, I'd think, it doesn't hold a candle to what either of our two programs can do on a game day for sure. But they, they seem to do all right with it. It was, uh, you know, better than some other spots I've been to for Big Sky football, but definitely not what you see in Montana. I know that's one of the questions on the Big Sky Big Takes this week, which I was on. They asked if I thought that the Bobcats would get 
more uh, combined Weber than the Weber and Grizz fans together for the attendance. Oh. <laughs> it wasn't they quite did, so. They? they did. Yeah, we ended up with 14, some, which is actually really, I was really impressed with it. It was a lot more than I was thinking. I was worried with the Friday before graduation, we'd be 10 or 11, but. Yeah, I was, well, I that, that more than doubled. I think Weber wasn't, weren't they 6,800? Yeah, something, something like that. It wasn't wasn't as much as I was thinking it would be, even with the Grizz yeah. fan contingent. <laughs> oh, I just got one more question on that game. Do you think the weather was a, a big factor in the game, or what do you, what do you ca- count that loss to? Mm, you know, I don't, I don't think the weather was the factor. I mean, hell, when your quarterback throws five picks and you get a punt block for a touchdown, you don't deserve yeah. to win any game, right? Uh, yeah. Whether or not, uh, I saw in his post game, or maybe a day later. Uh, Dalton Snead owned up to it, and, and Bobby Hawk pointed out that, he, that they believe two of the three interceptions were a slippery ball, but that's still – it happens. So um, I, we had to, they had to play in the same elements. Uh, Weber, I think in terms of skill on offense, Montana is vastly superior to Weber, but defensively it was pretty evenly matched. And so it just came down to the mistakes, and Grizz made the mistakes. And it wasn't really weather-related mistakes per se. I think uh, – I, I don't think it was something where you came away and if it was just a cold Friday night, the Grizz would have won because I didn't think a lot of the stuff that was happening was weather-related. It was just it was just a bad night for some people. This has been such a weird year for statistics. I'm not sure I've ever seen a team win a football game with like 112 total yards of offense. Yeah, I think they had 30 at the half or something, didn't they? It was I have, wild. It was bad, yeah. Just <laughs> They win a game 17 points with 112 or 115, something like that. It was under 120, I know that. It was ridiculous. Yeah, it was nuts. I mean, but, you know, their they're 10 points that they scored on offense. I think one started on the Grizz 30, and the other probably started on the Grizz 35 or 40. And then their other touchdown was a blocked punt that they picked up in the end zone. So, we actually had to march the field. Weaver didn't make any mistakes. They just played it super safe, and um, we unfortunately didn't do that. So you go negative five on the game, and it's probably a recipe for disaster. Well, that's the that's the game Jay Hill wants to play right there. I mean, Weaver's offense is so undigestible to me, just so hard to watch. But Jay Hill <laughs> would rather just drag you in and punch you and win five to three if he could. I mean, that's his he recipe. Sure Oh, yeah. The, the funniest thing after the game, I, I'll give credit to, like, the Weber fans were really great after the game. Obviously, if you're going to a semifinal, you're you're happy, right? Uh, but they were really cordial. They were really nice. Um, there was one person that was talking incredible trash, and it was Jake Constantine. He was <laughs> waving at the Grizz fans. He was taunting the Grizz fans. He was standing on the bench and wa- waving at us and taunting us. It was like, dude, you were like the worst player on your offense. I mean, I don't know. They won the game, right? So I guess you, you, <laughs> you, the victor goes the spoils. You get to talk all the trash, even if you played like complete garbage. But it was pretty funny. It was like all the people talking trash. You know, it's it's Jake Constantine. But he got the last laugh, I guess. So he deserves it. I guess if anybody should have been talking trash, it'd be that, uh, was it Rodriguez guy for their defense? Oh, my God. The guy had four sacks and tied a school record. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> All right, Brent. Hey, man, you know, uh, Saturday, uh, you flashed across my my Twitter uh, feed, and you had an interesting tweet in, and it said, am I crazy to think the Cats match up well against uh, North Dakota's state team? 
And uh, so I talked to Thorny. I was like, that's a really good question. And um, it really was the impetus of getting you on the cat cast tonight. Uh, I just want to want your thoughts on that, man. Yeah. Well, so, you know, post, so post game, right. We, we, uh, we go eat some dinner at midnight. A uh, lot of dining options in Ogden at midnight, by the way. Um, Den- Denny's. Uh, it was a taco place called Beto's. So we were joking about how <laughs> hard Beto took the primaries. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but we, uh, so we crashed out, we get up a little early, we hit the road. And, uh, so I start streaming the North Dakota state game as soon as it comes on. So we had pretty good cell coverage all through Utah and Idaho, not so much in Montana. Um, but, uh, I'm, I'm watching this game and I'm like that North, uh, you guys probably watched it too. That North Dakota, Illinois state game, but wasn't Illinois state down a starting quarterback and a couple other skill guys. And they hung in this game. I mean, they had a chance to win it and they actually, what had a, uh, a scoop and score fumble that was blown dead that yeah. they that was for sure a touchdown um and they could have won that game <laughs> so i got to kind of thinking about it and i mean I, i've seen this a lot on the montana side over the years sometimes you hit these 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 points where the the stars align and your playoff team gets gets on a roll things look good and their opponents just kind of start washing out and they catch them at the right time I mean, I watch the North Dakota State team that can't get in the end zone, has a true freshman QB who didn't look that great. Now, Illinois State's got a good defense, but so does Montana State, too. Uh, I got to thinking that this might be a matchup that, that you guys might like. And, and I could see if, if, if the Montana State team that has been playing effectively, what, the last five or six games goes to North Dakota State, I don't think I don't I think this is going to be a hell of a game that might come down to the wire. Yeah, that you're right about the Illinois State quarterback. It was like their starter got injured like two or three weeks ago, and then they went out and got like hammered the very first game without him. But then they kind of won a few games to sneak in the playoffs, and then just decided to hand the ball off to the running back like 38 times a game. And but that was you got to be a little bit more diverse when you go into Fargo. And I definitely know that the Cats will be able to offer a little bit more in the way of a passing attack than Illinois State did. Well, and that's, I mean, Rovig's, Rovig's playing well in these playoffs, right? I, I, wouldn't you guys agree, especially, I mean, he's probably playing his best football right now. I'd say so. And mm-hmm. I think the cat ground attack is more diverse and dynamic than what Illinois State had. And Illinois State was in the game the whole way. So, um, and true freshman quarterback, semifinal game, playing another aggressive defense. I mean, if cats can keep that offense in the 9, 14, 17 type point range, you got to think they're going to have a chance. It, it's, uh, it was wild. I expected North Dakota State, especially against an Illinois State team that was down their main guy, uh, to just blow them out. And they looked pretty flat, uh, at least offensively. They just did not look great to me. It was interesting to see that game. Uh, like, Illinois State, like, had no passing game whatsoever. And so... It was just, I mean, set up the play action, take a shot. They they hardly ever, ever even tried. So I it was interesting to me, like, that's the recipe that killed us last year against <laughs> North Dakota State. And yet they were still able to kind of, like you said, hang into that game. It was a weird score um, all around. 
I would I would agree with you. Illinois State's defense was legit. Um, yeah. You know, Montana State's got it going on that side right now too. So that's that's good us. And the I guess the biggest matchup for us is going to be how's our offense going to play against their defense, and can we be dynamic enough and variable enough to hit some plays and not be too predictable? Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, it'd be interesting to see if that this, the game plan the Cats have used since they beat the hell out of the Grizz and then rolled in the playoffs and have just been spreading the ball around and passing the ball well. If they can carry that through, they're gonna they're gonna surprise North Dakota State. Um, I think I saw today the line is sixteen and a half points. If that's correct, I'm not sure if that's accurate or official. Uh, in favor of North Dakota State, but man, I would I would take the Cats to beat the spread for sure. And comes to the fourth quarter, it's a one score game. I don't know. You got you got to like your chances. Yeah, Sam Herter put that out online, and I, I was really surprised when I saw that. I was and I wasn't like it's not surprising in some ways, but uh, you got to feel like that's going to be it's definitely rock locker room fodder there for sure. Like if anything, the cats play better as the underdog. And if we're going to be 16 point dogs, that's only going to fuel them. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Well, I tell you, I don't, I, I, who knows what's actually going to happen, but if you follow the, uh, the message boards and the social media and all the Facebook groups, the read some nervous tendencies from these North Dakota state fans right now, pulled it up this afternoon. And in one of these FCS football chats, that's usually dominated by, North Dakota State fans that are just bragging about how amazing they are. One of them I saw earlier this year posted that North Dakota State would lose to Alabama by one point on a neutral field, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> All they're talking about today is they're just they're they're trying to spin. They're spin, spin, spin. It's just like we weren't exposed. We weren't exposed. No one exposed us. We're a good team. We're not exposed. James Madison won by 17. No one says they're exposed. Um I'm reading some nervous energy from this fan base. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. You know, maybe it'll just be a blowout. Maybe North Dakota State will just continue their march like they do. But I just kind of get a vibe that this could be a hell of a game. And it could be something where cats might have a little advantage here. I, I believe, right? You got an extra day of rest as well, too. So that helps. That's a good point. We definitely have momentum, if nothing else. Like, I mean, we've been cat fans our whole life and I don't feel like I've ever experienced anything close to this as far as just kind of a confidence within the team. Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. First time since 84, you've been to the semifinals, correct? Yeah. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a good thing. Yeah. I just want to point out real quick. You mentioned, and I thought this throughout the years too, like how the Grizz, some, some of those years, just things align, like upsets happen and they keep getting home games well that kind of happened for us this year like the stars are aligned sack state got upset give us another home game uh you know this could be the year it sure could i mean i think the grizzlies 1995 national championship was totally that way i think if it went straight chalk we would have had one home game and we wound up having three uh 96 we were the one seed i think either in 2000 or 2001 we had a similar setup and of course in the realm of the non-existent slash somewhat existent 2011 season we had that happen as well too where we wound up getting two home games when we should have just had one so um yeah sometimes you get these situations and it, it just kind of football is kind of a funny thing and from a fan perspective you you get into these situations it's like everything just seems to be lining up and it works out and you make a bigger run and you have a lot more success because of it so sometimes those things out of your control really set up for a really fun and exciting season. 
let's shift gears a little bit and um let's move past that game and let's look at the John or James Madison game. Um and honestly, Brent, the very first thing that pops out to me when I'm just staring at the screen, looking at the JMU slash Weaver font there is I can't help but think that Montana would just be such a better matchup against JMU than Weaver is. I mean, with Dalton's need and the ability to press the ball down the field, like, uh, what what are your thoughts on this one? Just a quick hitter. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's going to be a tough day in the office for Weaver. I think this win against the Grizz was their big redemption win. Uh, they got to exercise the demons of what happened to them three weeks earlier. Now they've got to travel uh, back and face probably a better defense and an offense that's firing on all cylinders and doesn't have a one-legged quarterback and missing its its best receiver. So um, I, it, it could be a bit of a grudge match for a while because Weber's defense is pretty good. Their, their, their front seven is very talented, but their pass defense has been exposed. And I think James Madison's just... James Madison and, and earlier North Dakota State both kind of struck me as teams that were structurally and just you know, based on roster and depth and everything, just a leg up above everybody else. So I, I'm going to guess that it might be a little tight. It could be a one or two score game at the half or something. But if we were, if we were scores more than 10 or 14 points, I would be stunned, honestly. But we'll see. I wouldn't be stunned to hear that Weber doesn't even advance it past the 50-yard line unless their defense lets them start on the other side of the 50 by just having a turnover. I think they're going to have a hell of a time moving the ball, but I do think if Weber can uh, shut down JMU's run game and force them to pass and be able to pin their ears back and get after the quarterback, eh, maybe, maybe they'll stop them, but I don't, I don't see how Weber scores. I just don't. Yeah, me neither. All right. Well, I think that's about it. Um there's one more talking point. Uh, you have, you have, you're on the R&R cat cast, man. Like, is there any thoughts and closing thoughts on the Grizz season you want, you want to just share with us? Yeah. I mean, the Grizz season, it was, I think it's always tough when your season ends with, with a pretty bitter pill to swallow like that loss where uh, honestly in all facets, the, the Grizz were the better team, but we just made so many mistakes. We couldn't get out from under them. That should be probably us going to get our ass kicked by JMU, not Weber. But it's the way it goes. Um, this season, though, it was it was kind of a fascinating season. We had we 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 had some big wins. We beat then number three ranked Weber, then number four ranked UC Davis. We won ten games. We were projected to finish fifth in the conference, and we were one game away from winning a share of it. We flipped the other side, and of course, we came into Bozeman, and as you guys much celebrated, yeah beat the snot out of us so there was that i'll never um, get tired of hearing that <laughs> i know <laughs> so i mean it, it, it's 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 been kind of an interesting season because i think it, in all accounts if you went to any grizz fan in the summer and said grizz will win 10 games they will get a bye they will get a home playoff win and they will be one of the last eight teams playing football in the fcs uh, anybody would have taken it, but with some of the twists and turns, you know, then you come and go, yeah, but they're going to get their ass kicked by the cats in a fashion that you've never seen. Um, and they're going <clears> to, <throat> they're going to drop a quarterfinal game, just playing j- some really sloppy, ugly football. And they're going to lose to Sac state by the way, too. 
I think give for pause. So it's been a mixed bag, but I think if you step away and you look at the whole thing, they're, they're building, they're getting better. I, I pointed out to some Grizz fans, Bobby Hout came in here to effectively completely rebuild the program because uh, Bob Stitt was doing something totally different. Mick Delaney was doing something different, and so was Robin Flugrad. So we've had a lot of coaches trying to do a lot of different things. And Jay Hill, Jeff Choate, neither of them won 10 games in their second year of, re- of building up their program. So I think it's something where the Grizz can look favorably forward if you look at our schedule next year, it is it is quite the cupcake schedule. I think this Grizz team is going to be right up there, a top ten, top five team. Uh, Grizz Cat could be oh, you know, a, another two versus three type of game. It could be a, a hell of an end of the season next year, and I'm really optimistic and excited for what's to come. I might have to use my editing skills to go back and reverse your Grizz Cat sentence there. I could probably oh, just edit it I, sorry, just have it. Man. <laughs> I always say that. Yep, that's, that's all right. <laughs> One thing I do want to uh, say real here, um, Ryan and I, especially Ryan over there, uh, makes no bones about his distaste for Bobby Houck, but I do want to give huge credit to, I think Dalton Sneed was a hell of a player and a huge competitor, yeah. and I think we both disrespect the hell out of him, and it was just kind of a bummer to see him end that way, but just wanted to, you know, we both respect Dalton Sneed and thought he was a hell of a player. Dante Olson too. Oh, yeah, yeah. and Dante Olson. Yeah, I think, Mad respect. I mean, Dante, we'll see Dante playing football on Sundays next year, um, and hopefully we hear him announced as the Buck Buchanan winner in the weeks ahead. So uh, you hate to lose guys like that, but, you know, they got a bright future. Dalton Sneed, I mean, kind of a crazy journey. Uh, we all thought Gresh Jensen was going to be our future for years to come, and Dalton comes in and beats him out over the course of a spring and summer. So, um, and, and something that, as Grizz fans, we hadn't seen a lot lately is that kind of outward, loud, vocal leadership from the quarterback position was something we hadn't seen in a long time. And of course, quarterback is definitely a lot of times the face of the team and the face of the offense. And so I think he, he built a lot of respect. He, he was a hell of a player, unfortunately, after that sack game with that uh, high ankle sprain injury or whatever it was that he had kind of changed the total uh, person that he was and so you got some good but you got a little bit more bad and definitely a bummer way to go out but I think a lot of Grizz fans will think more of his body of work rather than his last game all right Brent well thanks for coming on wasn't quite sure exactly what we'd end up talking about uh, just kind of some random discussion here about the Grizz and the Bobcats for to go stay it's fun fun having you on awesome okay guys well uh best of luck and I'll I'll take the point spread and I'll, I'll maybe keep thinking on it but I don't know I could see I could see a win you guys better not win another national title, though. I can't handle that much trash talk, okay? Uh, no, <laughs> no promises. <laughs> no promises. All right. <laughs> All right. Take care. Okay, guys. See ya. All right. That was Brent Wahlberg of the Grizz Fan Pod. Again, we want to thank him for his time. He's a, just a good dude. Sound like he had a good time, or kind of a good time over there in Ogden. He's willing to recap that. And thanks for his insight on the upcoming game against North Dakota State. Yep, kind of a R&R CatCast first, inviting a Grizz fan on. We didn't even do it for Cat Grizz, but uh, it was fun having him on. This is take, and thanks for coming on. Yeah. Thorny, you and I uh, spoke earlier on this week about what this moment means for Montana State. And and the reason why I came up was you and I off, often, like, you know, we're so busy putting together content for the show or, you know, just listening to this, reading that, 
and you just get caught up in the, you know, the fervor of the moment. I think it's important for us and just for our listeners and for fans just to pause and think about, you know, take a step back and look, look where we're at. We're the number four team. We're one of the top four teams in the nation right now. We've had uh, a winning team, a winning streak uh, of what, what six right now. We're on a little playoff run, two wins in a row. I want to say seven. Yeah. I mean, it's, let's just talk about the moment for, Nope, you're right. It's six. Uh, yeah, it's just it's you just gotta stand back and appreciate it. Like you were saying, like you and I, this is I mean, this is kind of a grind for us. You just put your head down, you get into this routine, you do your research, you do your kind of the same things every week, and you just start kind of getting into the groove of it, and not really soaking it in as you would like a fan maybe would if he wasn't putting together something like this. So it's we wanted to slow down, just enjoy it. We want everyone out listening to. Make sure you're enjoying it too. Like this is a rarefied air. Just enjoy the moment, but stay hungry. Stay, you know, want that victory. We're not satisfied. We're not trying to say that we're complacent or satisfied, but we're just enjoying where we are. And it may not happen again. And hopefully it happens a lot, but just enjoying it while we're here and sit back and have a beer, LaCroix, whatever it is you do and uh, enjoy the moment. Yeah. I don't think it's going to be a one-off. I think we're, reaching to a point where, as Jeff Choate said in his press today, this becomes our standard. And it's something that we saw in the early 90s with the Grizzlies, mid-90s, 2000s. And it kind of feels like now that the momentum is there, certain pieces are in place that Montana State has, has what it takes in order to continue this kind of play year in and year out. It doesn't feel like it's just, you know, by chance that this happened. Like some of the teams we play, like Austin P and Albany, you know, that kind of that feels like maybe by chance, like they got hot at a certain time. Well, Montana State's put in the work. We've definitely built towards this moment. I totally see this going forward. But yes, I think going back full circle to just enjoy the moment. It's a special time. That win Friday night, a special moment. And no matter what happens on, Saturday, we're going to be looking at, you know, a Montana State team that has hit the semifinals first time in 35 years. You and I were both alive then, but we didn't remember. So it's just going to be, it's just a cool time in Montana State football right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, man. Let's get into a little bit of the game preview for North Dakota State, and then we'll get into our special segments. Sounds good. So I think you and I kind of talked a little bit about this. We're going to kind of agree not to go too crazy in depth with stats or matchups on this one. I mean, everyone kind of, you may not know much about this iteration of the Bison team, but I mean, the Bison are the Bison. You kind of know who they are and what they're about, but you start looking at the stats and yeah, they're they're just as good as they always have been. Number one, passing yards allowed. Number one, passing efficiency defense. Number one, scoring defense. Number eight, total offense. Number four, rushing offense. Number one, team passing efficiency. Trey Lance has thrown 25 touchdowns, zero interceptions. That's got to be a record at any level of football. I don't care who goes through an entire season throwing that many passes with throwing one interception. That's crazy. Number seven, scoring offense. I mean, you start looking at the stats and you're like, we're going to get crushed. Like, you just look at these things, but this they've certainly shown some weaknesses here and there. Uh, they're not as good as they have been, but 
what they've won 34 games in a row. There's absolutely no reason to take these lightly or assume that we're going to come out and win. So kind of rambled there, but there's my little intro on the North Dakota bison. What are your thoughts on this upcoming match? How do you feel about (laughs) the Bobcats going into this game? Well, I think the Bobcats have a special kind of momentum and one that I've never seen before. So I really like that about the Bobcats. It's just this team dynamic, this team synergy that, you can't quantify. It's it's a want-to. It's a specialness right now. It's being hot at the right moment. That all plays in the Bobcats' hands. No, now it's kind of like... Yeah, I'm ahead. sorry. I was going to say, like, even, you know, that's kind of what we talked about a little bit with Brent, is how maybe the stars are aligning for the Bobcats like they have for Grizz legends of the past, and maybe this is our stars aligning right now. This is our year. So, who knows? And you, see, and you start to look at North Dakota State's last three games. I pulled up some scores. North Dakota State beat Southern Illinois back in um, Illinois. Il- Jesus, did again. I apologize <laughs> to the whole state of Illinois. <laughs> now Illinois. it's in your head forever. Now it's <laughs> never going to go away. Ah, anyways, uh, they beat them 21-7. They went in the first round of the playoffs. Or excuse me, in the second round of the playoffs, they beat Nichols. 37-13, that, that was close at halftime. They pulled away in the third and fourth quarter like a NDSU team playing at home typically does. And then they just had this weird game against Illinois State, who's also in the Missouri Valley Conference, so they've played them twice already. But that 9-3 game last week was just, just odd. Like, Illinois State really kind of shot themselves in the foot. They didn't really have a passing game. And so... You know, I kept waiting for them to do the play action. I feel like they maybe passed maybe 10, 10, 15 times at most. And so, yeah, it was just a really weird game to watch. I think the Bobcats have a similar type of defense that Illinois State uh, possesses. It was weird. There was a stat that said Illinois State held North Dakota State without a touchdown at home for the first time since 2002. That's a crazy stat. So Montana State, I think, has a similar defense but I think we have a better offense that, than Illinois State. So it gives me hope. Do you think that the Bobcats kind of have the hogs that Illinois State had? Because they have some dudes on the defensive line and their offensive line. They're big boys. I don't think maybe the size, but I think we have better depth. Yeah, that really, I know that's going to work into our favor. Like this is where, this is really where the kind of the substitution, the playing guys in different spots all year, get everyone experience, getting everyone playing time. This is where the depth can really shine in a game like this. You don't get worn down. That's what a team like the Bison will do to you. And we might be able to withstand the barrage this time around. Instead of last year, I remember we basically limped into the playoffs last year, like health-wise. We were hurting unit. Josh's Hill, like his first game back all year was against the Bison last year, and he was already like the best player just but <laughs> because we were just so banged up. I think Jalen Cole was out. I think Tyrell Thomas may have been out in that game. It was just a... It's a whole different story this year, uh, entry-wise and depth-wise. Absolutely. And it just seems like Montana State defense just has such high-level schemes that I, I, don't, I, I can't compare the schemes to Illinois State. You know, we just have – we do such a good job at disguising what we're, what we're doing. And I think that's going to play a key role in this game. Trey Lance is – you know, he's no slouch. He's a freshman quarterback, but – if we can disguise some stuff and make him think twice, who knows? He might throw that first pick against us. Yeah, he, he might. I mean, it's a, it's about every single team that's played him. Like, yeah, this is the time that he throws the first pick. But 
you know, this could be the time it happens. There's no reason it can't. We've been, have we've had a turnover in whatever X amount of 24 or 25 straight games, whatever the tally is up to at this point. And I don't really see that changing at this point. Uh, but I, I think that we have the, the coaching, the depth, and just the execution right now to be able to, for the defense to at least, at the very least, keep us in the game. But I think it'll be better than that. I think they'll give us a good chance to win, but they're not going to, it's not going to be a blowout, I don't think, like it was last year. Think about the psychology part of this game, too. I think the Cats might have the more want to in this game. This might be kind of an old hat for NDSU at this point. Just a, just a take right there. No, no, that's a, it's a good take. I think I've, I've kind of per, perused uh, Bison fan thoughts on FCS Fans Nation or I, I briefly went over to Bisonville, which is their message board. I went there last year, didn't have a real fun time. I wasn't really planning on going back this year. Um, there's definitely a lot more doubt than I've ever seen from Bison fans. I'm not saying there's a huge doubt or anything like that, but there definitely is some concern about the game, about the way that just their own team has been playing. There's some uh, uproar a little bit about their play calling. Uh, some people, some fanatics were even calling for like Trey Lance to be benched. You know, that's going to be just some crazy spoiled fans calling that one. I would imagine 99.9% don't agree with that take, but it was out <laughs> there. So uh, I think that uh, they're not playing their best football right now, which is still a very good level of football. But uh, when you look at who's trending, who's hot right now, I think the Bobcats are definitely the hotter team, but. One of my biggest concerns going into this game is the fact that we haven't played a road game in over a month. So I'm kind of curious to see how that's going to pan out for us. But I do like the fact that we have an extra day to prep and rest than the Bison who played on Saturday versus us playing on Friday. So that will work in our favor in that regard. I'm not too worried about the road game. I mean, it's the semifinals. I like if you can't get up for this or hey, I know that's not probably what you're talking about, but uh, we were there last year. There's some familiarity there. I think that's not going to be a big factor. No, I think that's a, how important do you think it is? The fact that now this is our second year. Uh, what did you say Choate said about it? What was his phrase from the press conference? Ooh, the gorilla or something. The <laughs> elephant. Yeah. Yep. They've, they've already, you know, they've seen it. They've been there. They've experienced it. They're not going to be intimidated the second time around because I'm sure there, there's, a, I mean, there's a lot of, folklore surrounding the the bison team like seven of eight national championships i mean they're they're intimidating and to be there and play through it and see that everything is there you know they're, they're just dudes like you playing football just like everyone else like i think it's gonna be a big benefit for us so go back a year throwing we were doing this podcast i remember my mood i was feeling like we were david and we had we were gonna do this i was psyching myself up and eventually convinced you that we had a chance and you were more level headed. I think you and I are a little bit more on the same page now where we both feel like we have a puncher's chance in this game. You know, maybe more so than what the lines are saying right now. No, I definitely, uh, last year I was getting close to on the podcast. Like, I don't see how we're going to win this game, all this kind of stuff. And you're like, <laughs> Thorny, we can't have this on the podcast. Bobcats are going to win. I'm like, Oh uh, yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, sure. I think just like, agreed with you in my head. I'm like, Ugh don't think it's going to happen this year i can un, you know without hesitation say that i think the bobcats have a more than good chance of winning this football game i feel good about the team heading into the game i know it's going to be a huge tall task i agree that we're underdogs 
but I just I feel good about this team. I feel confident that we're going to compete and put ourselves in a position to win in this football game. That's something I did not feel last year. Yeah. I could see this game going many different ways. I could see I could see us being blown out. I could see this uh losing close, winning close, or else like, I could I could honestly see us winning big. I could actually envision a scenario where that does happen where it's I mean it's pretty much what happened to the Grizz, right? When you come out and you just completely take a team by surprise and just punch them and just never let them up. You know, this is a young by comparison standards bison team that hasn't really been tested in that quite that way maybe the, maybe the illinois state game last week was kind of that way but they don't have the, the illinois state have the weapons to actually score and take advantage of that fact so we have the ability to be a stifling defense take some things away get a little bit points on the board and kind of make you get out of what you want to do which is something i don't think the bison have experienced this year that's a good point what I really want to see us do, and I, uh, if we can kind of limit their their running game initially and kind of force them to throw the ball more with a freshman quarterback making his first semifinal start uh, for a guy who hasn't made any mistakes, who might be playing a little, from everything I've kind of read, a little bit timid not to make a mistake. We know all about playing the team playing not to lose. We went through that phase in October, and I think we're shaking it, but I think the, the, the Bison might be kind of getting into that mode, playing not to lose. Um, that's just kind of a gut feeling I have. And if we force them to kind of throw the ball and make some plays, that's really where mistakes could happen. We, and we could could have a game that goes our way and gets away from them. I don't. I think that's a pretty low scenario. But, you know, that's. I don't see that as an impossibility anymore. That made me think of how we played in homecoming against Sac, Sac State. So... Hopefully, maybe that could be, you know, flip the flip the tables and uh, we come out the victor. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a huge task, I think. I mean, what is North Dakota State? Where? Let me scroll down. I got some stuff I want to read here about the Bison. So the Hero All-American Sports team we talked about came out. Well, Hero Sports, Trey Lance is the first team quarterback as a true freshman. Or is he a red shirt? I can't remember. As a freshman, regardless. They have two. First team offensive lineman on on the list. They have one more offensive lineman on the second team. So three of their five starters are either first or second team All Americans via Hero Sports. They have a first team defensive lineman, and of course Jabril Cox, first team linebacker, probably the best linebacker in the country, who maybe not doesn't have huge stat padding from a certain institution, but he is absolutely a wrecking ball and a machine, and. It's going to be the toughest task we've had in the trenches all year, and that includes we just saw two really good defensive tackles uh, for Austin Pete. Uh, these guys are all going to be better and bigger and stronger than those guys. Yeah, we're going to have to be varied on offense the way we, you know, maybe attack the Grizzlies. We need Tyrone Marshall in this game. I'm sorry, we do. We just need him. Where's he at? It has to be registering. That's all I can think about. But <laughs> that's been like the missing piece. Like he came out of nowhere, tore it up for a few games, and it's just gone. So I don't know if he's hurt. I'm suspecting he's redshirting. But we just we were missing that element where we attack the edges. Although I did uh, I did hear from some Bison fans, they thought that they're one of their weaknesses is teams running up the middle on them. Uh, that's certain something we can exploit. So we'll just it'll be very interesting to see how we attack them with our running game. If we see a ton of Travis Johnson. Or like no Travis Johnson at Wildcat. I'm kind of curious how that's going to go. I feel like it's going to be a lot or nothing. I hope it's nothing. 
<laughs> I hate the plus one run game right now. It's very predictable. They know it's coming. It's the Troy Anderson offense. Yeah. It is, but we only ran it once against Austin P. So, I mean, it, it's like one of those things like, all right, you, you make the team think we're not doing it anymore because you're predictable, so now we're going to do anymore. And that's when you roll it back out. <laughs> or you do it like Montana State has been doing in a different format. You just use Afonso back there, slide Tucker Rovig over. Rovig does the clap. It goes to Afonso, and, th- and then that's what you do. I like that. I like that version better right now. Yep. I mean, that's certainly... Uh, you know, you know, if you bring in Johnson, um, he's just got to give it up a little bit more. I think that would really, if he's going to play Wildcat, give it up a few times, just like have a designed run with him at quarterback. Like he hands it off. That would throw everyone off. That'd throw me off. So <laughs> it's just, <laughs> just the cats can do so many different things running the ball. It's, it's pretty cool to have so many tools in your, in your arsenal and you just kind of pick which one you think is going to work against the specific team you're going against. That's, that's what makes the cat so dangerous. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a fun game, man. I can't wait for it. It's going to be something that uh, I've been waiting to see for a long time. <laughs> a semifinal game for the Montana State Bobcats. Oh, man. Yeah. Like, this is, we've never seen this as people who can remember this. I was two. No, I was one in 1984. I was exactly one year old. So, certainly don't remember that. Uh, just exciting to be here. I'm excited the opportunity. And I think. Like, I'm excited to think that we actually have a chance to go to the national championship game, which I am going to. You're going. We're going. I don't care if you just booked a trip with your family. Find some more money. Come with me to Frisco if we if we make it. <laughs> it's done, man. I'm going. Just to kind of wrap up the discussion, is there anything else you want to talk about here? Nope. I think we're good on North Dakota State. I just got a, some real brief... Give me a couple, like, what do you think are some keys to victory in this football game? Or if you want, I will go first. I'll give you two key victories. I think uh, we have to be, we have to bring that same defense that we just saw against Austin P. We have to be varied and diversified and we have to disguise our coverages like we have been. I think actually we just need to continue to keep doing what we've been doing the last couple of weeks. Uh, play with that high level of intensity on offense. We just said it. We have to attack the edges. We have to attack the middle. We have to go vertical. We just got to spread the ball around. If we get too in love with one thing early on, um, it's going to hinder us. I always say on this podcast, we need to, you know, pass in order to set up the the run. You know, on late in the third and the fourth, those body blows, that's what we're going to have to, I mean, we, we need those. And so... I hope to see the Bobcats just leaning on them all game long and then come third and fourth quarter, just, you know, it would be nothing better than to see the Bobcats just salted away on the clock with their run game and take their souls. That's That would be ultimately the best. Hopefully it doesn't come down to a kick or a close game because even that's just going to make me so nervous. <laughs> I won't be able to watch. I'll have to go back and watch it on replay. So, yeah, that's where I'm at right now. Before I give you mine, do you think that the Bobcats have the 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 ability to wear down a defense like the Bison, who assumingly has the same depth we do, because they just seem to have defensive linemen after defensive linemen roll through their program? Do you think we're going to be able to land those body blows and kind of uh, you always heard this phrase out Bison the Bison? I don't know if we can wear them down physically, but we can do it mentally. It, and I think that's exactly what we did to the Grizzlies. 
Yep. Yeah, I, I could see that. But I mean, if a team like Illinois State, who ran the ball so often with the big, huge bruising running back, couldn't really do it, you know, I think we'll have a harder time doing it. But if we can keep them on their heels, I think that's really what the Grizz game was more than anything was just being so varied and c- catching them so off guard that they were on their heels all game. They couldn't play fast. And that's where you just saw the five or six yard carries before the Chris could even react. And then yes, that's when they physically like mentally just gave up in the third quarter. Cause they just realized me, they just realized then I just, they can't, they can't do it. They're not gonna be able to do it. So that's going to be so crucial for me is just to be able to have such a good offensive pl- play calling that we keep the bison guessing on defense. And that's when you have the ability to maybe do that kind of thing. Good point. And another thing before I get to my my keys for victory, because I just keep thinking of things. How much of the do you think Tucker Rovig is going to have the half have to have the best game of his life, or do you think it's going to be just another fifteen and twenty one kind of day is going to win the win the game? I think if he has the best game of his life, that's a that's a plus. But I don't think he needs to. It goes back to what Jeff Chilt was saying all along. This is a team. We don't have any stars on the, our team right now. You could argue a couple guys, but we're playing team ball right now. The synergy is just unmatched. We he's not going to have to have you know he's not going to have to go 240 yards, 250 yards with two touchdowns. It'd be nice, but uh, I expect I honestly I expect a little bit kind of like what Austin P was. You know, passes the ball maybe 20, 25 times, maybe 15 to 17 completions, one touchdown, moves the sticks. We really need to, him. Honestly, if you think back to our games, we really need him to make what four to five throws during those games, and that's what we really need from him right now. Yeah, I, I agree. Like, I think North Dakota State might more than any team might completely sail out on the run and leave their corners on an island and make us beat us that way. And even if we beat them, they might not change it up. But uh, complete guess. I don't know what their defensive style really is. So. But I agree. I don't think he's going to have to have the best game of his career, but it's going to have to be efficient. He's going to have to make some crucial throws on third down. So he's going to have to play a good game. So what are your other keys? So one of my main keys is field position. That was such a crucial thing in the Austin P game. We we just kept uh, getting good field. But I'm sorry. Was, I guess it was more the Albany game. Just the I guess it's the whole playoffs. We just have good field position. It's going to be so important to have to not have to go the length of the field to score. If we get, if we start like on the, our own 30, 40, 50, um, uh, by pinning them deep, we need to have pad most have a good game, make them go the length of the field. We need to not make mistakes. We don't need to have holds on the kickoff returns, these kinds of things. I just think not digging ourselves in the field position hole is going to be such a huge thing in this game where sustained drives might be a hard thing to put together. Building on that, no mistakes and no, penalties i don't imagine this can be another game like we had last week where we had nine penalties that was so out of character for the way we had been playing since basically the north dakota game or sac state game even uh, but quite simply we can't have that many penalties and put ourselves into first and 15 first and 20 just not gonna work out for us so yeah just field position and penalties and mistakes that's kind of my two big keys right there i think those are good because if we do those um, the North Dakota State crowd is just going to get into it, and it, it's going to be hard to drive the length of the field if if we're put in that position. All right. Well, I'm feeling good. You're feeling good. Anything else we want to talk about? No, man. I'm ready to go on to our special segments. All right. Let's do it. Okay. Let's recap our bold predictions from last week. Thorny, you said we were going to have more than 41 points. 
You were wrong. <laughs> we should have. I know, right? I felt like I we could have easily hit 41, but uh, just did not. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. I was thinking we, yeah. I, all right. Um, I said Rovig was going to have three touchdowns. He had one. So both you and I were wrong on that one. Clearly, we both thought we'd have a few more offensive fireworks than we did. <laughs> What's your bold prediction for this week? Well, we kind of hit on it. You kind of mentioned it, but I'm going to keep it uh, anyway. Trey Lance throws an interception. It's first of the year. I almost put that down, but I thought you were going to put it down. Good job, Ryan. <laughs> well, good job knowing me, so good job to you. <laughs> well, I know. I was complimenting myself. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Someone has to. Uh, mine is, I think Tristan Bailey gets back on track. He went one for three last week. I think he's got to give his confidence up in order to do that. He needs to hit that, that shot from the right side. So I think he's going to get back on track. Sounds good. All right, man. Well, I got some, I got a couple buyer sales. I got a short list of buyer sales and then we got a special segment on Christmas songs that uh, it's been on my mind for a little bit. You ready for buyer sell? Sure. All right, buddy. Thorny, you're on the hot seat. Buy or sell Dots pretzels, the pride of Dakota. Never had one. Uh, I will buy it just because it's a really funny story with uh, Bruce Barnum and Bobby Houck, so I'll buy it, I guess. <laughs> Do you care to enlighten us on that story? I don't remember. You'd have to listen to the Bruce Barnum on Tutela Nuanez thing, but it was something about, I don't even know how it got started, but now he like, sends a box of Dots pretzels to Bobby Houck every year or something like that. Cause it's like one of the perks he got at Portland state when they don't hardly get paid anything, but he somehow landed a whole bunch of Dots pretzels. I don't know. Something like that. <laughs> okay. Never had one of my entire life though. So never tasted one. Okay. <laughs> All right. So did you, did you buy or sell that one? Buying it because anything that makes me laugh with Bruce Barnum, I'm buying. Okay. Sounds good. Uh, number two, buying Frisco tickets before you know. Selling it because I'm just too fiscally conservative for that. Okay. Number three, buy or sell. My Christmas shopping will be done before this weekend. It's already done. Buying it. <laughs> Damn it. Like the Last year you talked first about First time in. Yeah, there's like the record time over here. You said you had your wife's birthday and Christmas already done last year. I specifically remember asking you that on the buy or sell a year ago. <laughs> <laughs> You're so well, good, man. You're so I'm good. On, I'm on pace again. I'm on fire, I guess. Look at you. All right, Tony. That's the only three I got. Uh, you bought. No, you bought two of them. Sold the Frisco tickets. You're off the hot seat. Uh, I'll get back to you here in a moment. Buy or sell fully. Dots Pretzels, the pride of Dakota. Uh, for the first time this year, I tried Dots Pretzels. They are clearly addicting. I'm going to buy them 100%. They're amazing. I I can't describe just how awesome they taste. Uh, buttery, garlicky, salty. It's just an explosion of taste in my mouth. I mean, I even went to their website just the other day. They have recipes with these Dots pretzels. It's, it's, it's something new, man. They're just taking my household by storm. My wife says we need to stop buying them. She's probably right. So, But I'm, <laughs> I'm buying the Pride of Dakota Dots pretzels. What do you like, crush them up and mix them in your meatloaf or something? You, I mean, yeah, I mean, they got potato casserole. They got they got steak seasoning now. It's just, eh, man, it's just. Don Pretzel's empire. Damn, they're just so good. Sorry, it's just, <laughs> it's hard to explain how good they are. My running club, they brought a bag of them uh, last Tuesday, 
And I, I watched the guys open it. I was sitting across from a table. The guys were like, what are these? And every one of their eyes just lit up as they put them in their mouth. They're like, oh, my gosh. And I was like, yep. <laughs> just Thorny, don't eat one. You're, I mean, it's kind of like when you when you taste it, you can't go back. All right. <laughs> I don't need any other bad carbs in my life. So, yes, I will avoid it. Okay, good. Uh, number two, buying Frisco tickets before you know, clearly selling that. I think that's the most stupid thing you can do unless you just like want to go to the game and you have the time. But uh, seeing people online saying, bought my Frisco tickets month back. <laughs> like I saw a Grizz guy do that this year. I was like, what an idiot. And no, no, I'm, I'm like you. Yeah, you know, fiscally conservative. That's just silly. Uh, number three. My Christmas shopping will be done before this weekend. That's a hard sell. I'm I'm so bad at that. I can't even begin to tell you how opposite I am of you on trying to get my shopping done. So, uh, yeah. So, <laughs> there we go. There, there's a buy or sell rendition for this week. Nice. Yeah, but that was, that was good. I like the questions. Uh, I will not try Dots Pretzels. And I'm sorry that I'm so much better at Christmas presents than you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, Thorny, for our listeners, let's get to this Christmas song. So, uh, Christmas, like, I don't know what you guys have over it and on your side of the state, but there's a couple radio stations that go straight Christmas from like New uh, Thanksgiving Day until Christmas, like take over the whole st- this uh, the whole station. So, it got me thinking, what are your top five Christmas songs? And I know I asked you to prepare this, so let's hear yours. I hate Christmas music. You asked me to pick five favorite songs. I don't even know if I can come up with five I like fully. <laughs> you are so the what screwed. I've done. Yep. Oh, yeah, I guess. Uh, I've pinch hit. Called in my wife. I asked her to put me together a list of Christmas songs she likes. So you guys are going to hear Mrs. Celtic Cats. Top five Christmas songs. Number one. Oh, no, no. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. You guys start from five and then go up to one. Ah, uh, they're not in order. Okay. So I'm going to go on what I think is her order because I know her. A Cradle in Bethlehem by Nat King Cole, specifically. White Christmas by Bing Crosby. Last Christmas by Wham, my personal not favorite of this group. (laughs) Ava Marie by Celine Dion. And Baby It's Cold Outside by Dean Martin. I think that's probably her favorite. (laughs) Nice. I like that duet with Dean Martin and whoever else sings it. That's a good one. I like that. Yeah, there, there's her list. If you're personally asking me, uh, I'll, if if I have to listen to Christmas music, it's gonna be a jazzy big band version with no words. Are probably my favorite, so I can more easily ignore it. <laughs> <laughs> and I like jazz and big bands, so that one I can accept. Like sleigh sleigh ride, the jazzy version of sleigh rides, it's all right. <laughs> All right, man. Well, I compiled my top five, and I'm going to give you five to one. Are you ready for this? Ready. All right. My fifth favorite Christmas song is Melikaliki Maka by Bing Crosby. Did you know Bing Crosby is a Spokane native? I did not, Ryan Foley. There you go. (laughs) Number four, Oh Holy Night by Weezer. That's right. You heard me right. Weezer put out a Christmas album. It is fantastic. Oh, Holy Night's one of my favorites. No, it is my favorite off that album by far. Number three, Run Run Rudolph, Chuck Berry. It's great. Chuck Berry's licks very much sound alike, but uh, that guy was just a master. I like that one. That's a good one. That one I can actually put in my top five. 
Yeah, nice, man. Um, Number two, I saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus by the Ronettes. I have been on such a Ronette kick the last year. Just love the Ronettes. And if you don't know who they are, just go check them out. But, yeah, their version of I Saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus is great. And my number one top favorite Christmas song, Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree, Brenda Lee. Nice. That's a solid list. Got some rock and roll in there, at least a little bit of pep. I don't feel like Christmas song like Christmas songs were all pretty much written in the same era. It kind of feels like to me. I don't feel like there's a lot of new Christmas songs coming out. I know NSYNC had that uh, album a couple years back. You know, people talk about that, Mariah Carey. But hey, let's stick with the well, let's stick with the oldies when it comes to Christmas hits. No Michael Bublé over there. <laughs> Not a fan, man. I did hear a version of Last Christmas by Wham by Jimmy Eat World that I actually kind of liked. And 12 Days of Christmas by Reliant K, which is kind of like a pop punk band. That's not too bad. They put out a whole Christmas album, too. That one's pretty okay. (laughs) There you go. Right on, man. Hey, if you fans, if you're listening out there, send us your top five. Uh, We'll post it. We'll retweet it on our Twitter account. At RR Catcast. Yep, I'll put out a reminder so everyone does it before the game this Saturday. All right, man, let's get into our Golden Koozie segment. Uh, yes, we have quite a bit of questions. I completely forgot we, I thought, like, this is a good way to fade into nothing, but here we got some questions. We got to refocus. <laughs> <laughs> we'll plow through them. All right, well, where do you want to start? Let's go through the Bobcat Nation ones first. What is the first one? I think it was from uh, um, Logger Cat. Is he the first one? Or he or she, excuse me, the first one? Uh, I believe so. Yeah, Logger Cat's very first post on Bobcat Nation is in our Golden Koozie. Registered so. just to ask us a Golden Koozie question. I'm touched. Love it. Nice job, Logger Cat. He wants to know, Troy Anderson, after five weeks off, does he play? He says he doesn't know the full extent of his injuries, as none of us do, but for what he interprets... He or she, sorry, from Coach Choates a couple weeks ago. He might return since none none of his injuries require surgery. Just time to rest and heal. Do you think he's had enough time to get healthy enough to dress and throw another wrinkle into the game plan? Fully. What do you think? Nope, he doesn't play. I don't think it's a good idea to even try him. Troy Anderson needs to uh, needs to rest to heal his injuries. And just a hot take on this one. The Cats are playing better without Troy Anderson right now. It's crazy to think that, but they are executing at a really high level. And one of the biggest things Troy brought on the offense was being able to pick up the tough first downs, but that's been kind of uh, replaced by Isaiah Fonde's return from injury. He's kind of, you know, you see him take that that direct snap out of shotgun and like, yeah, third and one, he's getting that. Uh, Defensively, I think Daniel Hardy's kind of stepped up and and Josh Hill came back from first game time really like the northern colorado or, or southern utah so point is i think we're playing kind of replacing some of the things he did on both sides of the ball and we're playing really good as a team so i don't think he plays i agree cool all right nice job logger cat thanks for the question all right Moving I'm, gonna, on. I'm gonna kick it over to twitter because i'm curious about this one let's let's uh take it off the bobcats for a minute here from chase uh i'm sorry chase boer b-u-e-r i don't know how to say that name uh on you. twitter he asks us, does Northern Colorado eventually become relevant with hiring Ed McCaffrey to be the coach? Kind of a splash hire. What are your thoughts? I think it's a coin flip at this point. They have a lot 
to do to become relevant. Uh, they had like a six-win season a couple years ago, and everybody was happy about that. Vic can put together a couple of six-win seasons, or if they show market improvement over the next couple of years, then, then we can start talking. But right now, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's a coin flip. I don't know. That, that is such a stretch higher to me. Like, I, I get it for a school like Northern Colorado, who's, I mean, no offense to Northern Colorado, but kind of rock bottom right now. Like, it can't really get any worse. So why not hire a guy who will instantly get some butts in the seats, who get some fundraising, who be able to probably land a few recruits just based on his name recognition alone. But I think it's all going to be a short-term shot in the arm. I think this is basically Northern Colorado's version of Jerry Glanville when he was hired at Portland State a few years ago, which just eventually fizzled out and didn't produce really anything of meaning. Jerry Glanville was really old, though. He was, <laughs> but man, that was uh, uh, he had extensive coaching experience. Ed McCafferty's coached two years at high school. Yeah. <laughs> he's just a he's a football celebrity in Colorado and it's a flyer that no legitimate program like any blue bud program would ever make a hire like that that's a good point but I think I don't know he might be able to get him back but I, I honestly just think it's going to be short term success that's going to eventually go back to the norm it's just hard to win in Greeley Colorado yeah I agree with that totally alright let's move back to you uh Bobcat Nation, all cat says, how far did you honestly think this team would go at the start of the year? For me, it was the middle of the year. I thought we were a top 15 team after the last six weeks on this defense. I think in the top three, I just don't think Weebs has a chance this week. Um, let's just tackle that first question. How far, Thorny, did you think we'd go at the beginning of the year and maybe middle of the year? And now, what do you think? When I mapped it out at the beginning of the year, I was thinking, we're likely losses were, I mean, obviously Texas Tech. I was thinking that UC Davis stretched, Grizz stretched to be pretty tough. And I was thinking we dropped, I was thinking three or four losses. I was probably thinking eight and four if I was being realistic with myself, which would get us a buy as like a seven seed maybe. I don't know. I did not really think, uh, envision us going to the semifinals, really, personally. I thought a quarterfinal, like winning in the next game in the playoffs would be a big step forward. I just wasn't sure where we were. We had so many unknowns with uh, like a Mondre Williams, Scrimpos, but uh, we've gone farther than I think I expected, if I had to be honest. Yeah, I started there with you. I thought um, we were going to be probably a nine win team um, at the, you know, if we had to pencil out in August uh, before we would make the playoffs. I thought all year long we would make the playoffs, though after the UND game, I was pretty low looking at it going, we have to win out in November. I just didn't see it happening in my mind, given UC Davis and Grizz on the on the horizon. I knew we could drop one of those and still get into the playoffs. So I, I guess, yeah, I still didn't lose real hope that we would make the playoff team, but it was looking to be quite like similar to last year where we had to play the first round game and then probably go on the road. Um, but yeah, I think my expectations have been surpassed. I think if you were to ask me back in August, I think we would have made the quarterfinals and then probably lost. I didn't expect us to be in the semifinals. And honestly, I think we actually have a good chance of going to the national championship. Well, nice. Thanks all cat. Appreciate the question. Yeah, good question. All right, moving on to, let's see who's the next one down the list. So I Love the Cats kind of asked about four questions in a row. Um, they're all kind of a general theme. Of, Why don't you pick your favorite from there? <laughs> um, 
I don't know, just I like the general what when do you think fans will start believing what their eyes are showing them with this team? I think that's probably the best way of phrasing it. When are people gonna just just realize how special this is and stop thinking we're the underdogs, stop thinking that we're lucky. I don't think anyone said we're lucky to be here, but just that, you know, we are who the stats bear out, our record bears out, our our body of work bears out. We're a damn good football team. We're a top five team and who has a legitimate shot winning the national championship. I think fans are starting to believe it now. Uh, what are your thoughts? Honestly, I don't even feel like that's going to change anytime soon. It's going to take years. I mean, we've beaten the Grizzlies four years in a row and we're still feeling like this inferior team. A lot of people do. And <laughs> and it's just kind of like, yeah, I've had to I slap think, you upside the head a couple of times when you started having some of those thoughts. <laughs> well, it's, it goes back to like a thought that was brought up on um, Tutel and Nuanas. It was like a dominant team doesn't worry about like the Grizzlies didn't seem to worry about like if we beat the Cats. Yeah, they worried about it, but their success was more based on how far they went in the season. And and now we're still on the flip side. They said the Cats still base their success on their relevance with in comparison to the Grizzlies. Like how many of the cap fans were super happy this weekend when the Grizz lost just because it proved that we went further. I think when we start getting over that hump, then we can start changing our mindset. Um, so go back to, I love the cats question. When do you think the fans start believing with their eyes, what they're showing in the team? Um, unfortunately, I, I kind of think like, you know, some of us are there. And like Ryan and I implored you to step back and just like live in the moment right now. Like we are there, but I, I would say for a large portion of they just, you know, it's, it's been too hard, too long. It's just, I think a lot of people are still waiting for the other shoe to drop at this point. Yep. I uh, think you have to think about it on that. I think more and more people are coming around, but I think, yeah, there's still probably a majority that just are just always going to have that, that, just thought ringing the back of your head, like, when's it going to go wrong? What's going to go wrong? I know we're we're just not that team. Jeff Choate's not that coach. Uh, we just we've had too many years of that, but I just feel like we're not that team, especially this year. That's a, such a bummer of a question. I mean, it's kind of <laughs> thanks. I love cats. I, I guess. <laughs> thanks for taking time to write the question. I love cats. All right. Well, the only other question we have was a question that was in the inbox that I missed last week around, but I guess one of the questions is still pertinent. Uh, now rereading it. Scott Palmer asked us, what are the odds of a Montana, Montana State playing for the national championship in any given year? I thought he is originally asking about this year, and that his second question is that. But this question is clearly phrased in, in a whenever situation. So uh, what do you think? I, I say the odds are pretty, pretty minuscule, but at the same time, not completely out of the realm because I think both the Cats and the Grizz are going to be good playoff contenders for a while. So if they're paired up on the opposite side of the bracket, uh, you know, it just depends on the seeding more than like just the how this the the bracket is laid out. But you know, there, I think there's a possibility that one year it could happen. But yeah, I'd have to say it's pretty minuscule. That's a tough one. Um, I go back and forth in my mind thinking about if I would enjoy that or not. What, would oh you God, no, it? no, hell no, <laughs> no. Just My saying. heart can't handle two Catgris games in a year, let alone the <laughs> national championship. The winner of that game has bragging rights for history. You're done. That's the end of it. I can't take that. I can't take that kind of stress. <laughs> <laughs> no, I probably would have a heart attack that day. <laughs> no joke. 
I would definitely <laughs> want to go to that game rather than watch on TV. I think I'd have more fun and less stress at the same time if I was actually at that game. So I would definitely have to try and make a game like that. I would want to go to somewhere like, you know, the Bermuda Triangle or something, just disappear, not try to think about it. <laughs> somewhere we can just wander off and scream into the abyss. <laughs> All right, man. Um, Thanks for the question, Scott. I'm going to let you choose tonight. I'm going to put this one on you, buddy. Uh, why would you do something like that? Because do you want to discuss it right now? Uh, well, I kind of like, I love the cat's question. What do you think? When do you think the fans will start believing? With Yep. You know what? That gave us the most um, to chew on. I think that's probably a good one to go with this week. Well, it's kind of something that I've kind of harped on a little bit when, you know, I was like, we're good. We got to stop like thinking like uh, you, you, you text me in the middle of a game, like I uh, watch the cats go three and out now or something. I'm like, boy, got to stop thinking like that. We're not those Bobcats anymore. You know, <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I kind of agree with the sentiment. It's a good, like it's, it's depressing, but it's not. Cause he's basically like, I see this team is really good. We need the fans, everyone else to start coming on board. So I, I like the question. So it's, it's coming from a good place. I'm going to go ahead and get that one. My koozie. Do you agree? I agree. Good job. Woo! Going goosey. You did. I love the cats. <laughs> Big time. Woohoo! You're just getting more and more emphatic as the season goes on. They're always so funny to listen to when you listen back. Listen back <laughs> to it. <laughs> All right, Thorny. I am ready to move on. Get out of here. <laughs> Let's get out of here. We've enjoyed the moment. I hope everyone enjoyed the podcast and took some time to appreciate where the cats are as a program under Jeff Choate and with the opportunity that lies in front of us. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at rrcatcast. Email us at rrcatcast at gmail.com or find us on the one and only, the best spot for the Bobcat fans, bobcatnation.com under our recurring thread. Uh, what is it called? rrcatcast, I guess. Or the Golden Koozie one, which is where we pull these questions from. Thanks again, everyone, for listening. I'm so excited to see this team travel to Fargo, and I think we can do it, and I hope everyone else does too. So let's end it with a Go Cats. Go Cats.